You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Do you have kids in your life that you care about? Nieces or nephews, people that you teach? future children, or maybe children that are growing up right now, we have a resource for you. This resource was created by Protect Young Minds, and it is a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. This is a read aloud book that you can sit down with your child and talk them through five simple ways to protect their minds, to be able to recognize good pictures and bad pictures, the benefit of being able to recognize those things and to then come and talk to you about it. And really what this book does is it creates a really safe and comfortable environment for you to talk about pornography with your kids. It makes it so much simpler to create a healthy and nurturing and loving environment to have this conversation with your kids and the kids that you care about so much. One reader and reviewer shared, I am so grateful for this book. It was a great way to talk to my children about pornography without that awkward and uncomfortable feeling. We agree, Lisa. That's why we totally recommend Good Pictures, Bad Pictures by Protect Young Minds. And we are so grateful for them for sponsoring our podcast today. Welcome back, listeners. We are so excited to have you because today we have Laura M. Brutherson with us today. Laura M. Brutherson is a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified sex therapist, certified family life educator in Provo, Utah. She is a part of the Marital Intimacy Institute, and she is a best-selling author for a few books named And They Were Not Ashamed, Knowing Her Intimately, and her latest book, From Honeymoon to Happily Ever After, 23 Keys to Prepare for a Sex-Extraordinary Marriage. And that is what we're talking about specifically today, is how to have a sex-extraordinary marriage, specifically using a list that Laura has created called Raising the Bar on Intimate Relationships, Characteristics of Healthy and Unhealthy Sexuality. So we're going to talk about that list, a few aspects of it with her, And you can access this list on the show notes on our website, in the description that you find for this episode on your favorite podcast platform. But we are so grateful and honored to have Laura with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Wonderful to be here, guys. Awesome. So, so, so good to have you on this podcast. (laughs) Laura, I cannot express enough how much you've changed my life when it comes to my view of healthy sexuality and what um, my intimate relationship could look like in the future. I'm so grateful for all of your work and I know that the things that we're going to share today are going to touch all of our listeners. So I hope you're all listening and I hope you're all taking mental notes and maybe even real notes in your phones because this is going to be so good. (laughs) So, so good. But Laura, would you help us understand what healthy sexuality is? 
Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I was listening to one of your other podcasts where you guys talked about healthy sexuality. And I think the thing that's going to be different for us today is that, you know, a lot of us kind of understand sort of what healthy sexuality is like. Like I had a client once that said, when I said, okay, so what is healthy sexuality? And she says, you know what, Laura, I don't even know. I, I know I should have a voice in the bedroom and it shouldn't be all about him, but that's about all I know. And, and I think the thing that we're going to do hopefully today is actually give tangible characteristics of what healthy looks like, what unhealthy looks like, so that people can walk through that themselves. I mean, there's 20 characteristics, so I can't even answer your question in a real simple way. I mean, obviously it's, it's mutually fulfilling, it's, it's connected, it's multidimensional. We'll get into all of these based on, you know, which ones we talk about, but it's, there's a lot of pieces. But what I had found was that nobody had sat down and compiled something that said, here's at least, I mean, it's not like this is the right answer, but it's an attempt at an answer, whereas nobody had even really attempted it before, where no, nobody had ever sat down and said, okay, here's kind of what healthy looks like. Here's kind of what unhealthy looks like. We had only had what unhealthy looked like. But then as a sex therapist, where my focus is really healthy sexuality, and that's why I've written three books, I'm trying to help people figure out how to really focus on the healthy part. That was a long answer to a quick question. <laughs> Perfect. I, I love how it's it's so multidimensional and there's so many aspects and pieces to it. You can't just describe healthy sexuality in one sentence. It's no. an ongoing learning process, an education. And, and I mean, if only we could all be sex therapists. That'd yeah, be great. Oh, <laughs> there needs to be more of us. So, hey, if any of you guys want to join, let me know. <laughs> Most definitely. So I want to talk about maybe let's break down some of these characteristics because I love that you're giving us that contrast. Yeah. I, I really love contrast. I think when we look at the dark versus the light, we're able to see clear, right? That's what creates beautiful art. And so being able to, to see this, I think will help us all so much. Yeah. And so the first one that I wanted to talk about and in no particular order <laughs> is how do we view ourselves and our bodies in an maybe the unhealthy sexuality and then the transverse of that, the, the healthy. Yeah. I mean, like, so, I mean, one of the characteristics, characteristic number one is, you know, accepting, embracing, being comfortable with your body, your body parts, having got kind of that sexual self-confidence and the unhealthy version of that is being uncomfortable, ashamed, critical of, embarrassed about, and or dissatisfaction with your spouse's body. So pressuring them to like surgically alter or improve their body. So I mean, just on this characteristic alone, this one, you know, is especially important for women because probably one of the number one things that we struggle with sexually is our body image issues. Mm -hmm. And so part of healthy sexuality for women in particular is embracing, owning, claiming their sexuality and accepting their imperfect body and going with, you know, kind of a good enough acceptance of it. But and then on the flip side for the men is they've kind of also got to be accepting of their wife's body. And especially when there's kind of been that pornified concept, sometimes husbands are looking for a wife to look like and not even just pornified, I should just say, just being in our sexualized society. You know, sometimes that can lean into the unhealthy if husbands are kind of not turned on by their wife's body because it's not perfect. So there's kind of a little taste of what that might look like. 
I really love this. And I think it's so interesting because never would I have like labeled myself as an unhealthy sexual like person. (laughs) I've really always like tried to have healthy sexuality, but I totally see myself slipping into viewing myself and my partner in that unhealthy light and recognizing that it is, it is a spectrum. And that doesn't mean that I'm broken or I'm hurt or that like, I'm going to have a horrible relationship, but rather that I can come back to that other side. Yeah. And, and it's like healthy sexuality, good sex is a learned behavior. So, I mean, uh, we're just spelling out a nice little template for people to walk through, but, but you bring up an important point that something that this list will do for people is they're going to see where almost every single couple, uh, the wife and the husband are going to find some places where they fit in the unhealthy category. So what, for example, any suggestions that you have for male and female, both in a relationship or still single, any suggestions for how we can prepare to have a healthier body mindset and to own our bodies, be okay with it? What, what practices or things can we do to, to get there? Yeah, I think you guys have talked about this before, but I think part of it is even just working on things that change your mindset about sex. And that would include things like getting educated, you know, reading books like mine. Often I regularly assign to women in particular to get any of my books on audio and play it just in the background of their mind. Because what you're doing, I mean, because for men, they tend to think about sex a little bit more often than we do. For women, we almost have to insert it a little bit. And there are healthy ways to do that, which does a couple of things, builds confidence because knowledge is power and builds that confidence you are more familiar, comfortable with. And so this sex as a topic and sex as an action become less weird and scary and taboo and anxiety inducing because there's more just comfort and familiarity with it in a healthy way. I love love So getting comfortable and familiar with it. So cool. That is so powerful. And I love that idea of, of having that healthy, those healthy ideas playing in the background and, and really like wiring that template in place. Right. And it doesn't have to be right up in your face, but it can be something that you're just listening to on your commute or you're listening to as you clean or cook or while you're working on a project, it can just be there so that you're listening to that. And I've actually found that to be very helpful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of what one of my number one steps for women that are trying to embrace and develop and kind of reclaim own their sexuality. And kind of back to what we talked about earlier that you mentioned is just sexy for, you know, for men and women, but women tend to struggle with this a little bit more, that mindset is that sexy is a state of mind. It's a feeling that says, I like who I am. I like and accept my body as is, and I'm happy to share it with you. So all of that can be done as a single person. Mm-hmm. You get that? Yeah, that makes so much sense. That makes so, so much sense. And and I think back to 20-year-old Chriselle and even like 23-year-old Chriselle who was in so much pain and did not like her experience or her family's experience. I was so frustrated and angry and hurt. And it took me getting educated. It took me really figuring out like that there could be a different way to have hope and to come back to being in a safe spot where sexuality was a part of my story again. 
So I love this and they definitely work, everyone. All of these tools work. <laughs> they do. And you know, Chriselle, I've been through most of this myself. Everything I teach, I've learned myself because I mean, if you're, if you're alive and you're breathing and you live in our society, you're going to have some stuff to clean out, to undo, to repair, to get straight. Totally. That's what mortality is about. Yep, you're <laughs> None right. None of us are exempt. Yep, you're right. <laughs> so another one that I, I would really like to talk about is this number four. Okay. The healthy sexuality is bridled, restrained, respectful, while the unhealthy sexuality is unrestrained, impulse-driven, and simply just for gratification. Yeah, yeah, what for sure. What can you describe for that? Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I have kind of another whole angle that I approach this with because for women, sex is almost a decision, whereas for men, that testosterone drives it. And so it's a little bit more just kind of spontaneous. And so for women in particular, kind of on this healthy side, if a man in particular has not developed some sexual self-mastery around that God-given wonderful sex drive that men have, then they are going to have a hard time freely choosing in because they're kind of just responding to his need. Does that make sense, Creed? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, so that bridled, restrained, respectful is the higher desire person, often the husband, just has to develop some of that mastery so that a woman who has to do a little bit more work to embrace and develop and even warm up in the actual lovemaking experience, they have a little bit of space for them to kind of join together instead of him always being way ahead. Does that make sense? Yeah. So... I feel like this kind of ties into even uh, number three, where healthy sexuality is agency, freedom to choose, whereas unhealthy sexuality is entitled sex is an expectation. So yeah. it takes the husband or the wife, because sometimes yeah. from what I understand, even the wife can have more of a sex drive than the husband. Yeah, sure. So the one who has the more sex drive, it, it's more mindful, right? It's more like, okay, I'm getting excited here let's mindfully choose, do I want to have sex right now? Or do I want to talk to my partner about having sex right now? Or is this just a moment just to connect affectionately, emotionally, instead of just uh, going straight into sex? Is that, yeah. is that kind of right? Yeah, that's good. And, and I think maybe the kind of the extreme version that makes it maybe a little easier to understand too, is just when there is kind of compulsive or obsessive type sexuality, I think you guys had Dr. Busby on who talked about kind of that obsessive sexual uh, passion style that creates a real dilemma because if there's just kind of this constant pressure, this constant a need for, I mean, we need to do it every day or twice a day or whatever that just gets out of balance. And unfortunately, they often are married to a woman who's in the inhibited category. So there's just work on both sides to get that a little better. But that's where really that owning and developing some self-mastery around that drive becomes really important for it to be a mutual experience. Cool. Given how God wired us both very differently. I need to have a talk with him when I get up there. Actually, I've had many talks with him about it already. <laughs> and I'm so glad he's teaching you. <laughs> so my follow-up question, I think will always be any suggestions for how we can begin to learn or, or, or process and become better at sexual self-mastery so that we can have healthy sexuality. 
Any thoughts on that? Yeah. So like one of the things that I often, one of the first few things that, that husbands will often do, I suggest that they do some process writing just about a man's feelings around their sexuality. Because one chapter one of the husband book that isn't done yet is a lot about affirming that God-given sexuality because a lot of men are very shamed for their sexuality. They're shamed for their sex drive. I mean, women's ways of feeling loved is affirmed, but men's ways of feeling loved sexually or physically is kind of denigrated. And so sometimes they even just need to have a conversation with themselves and God is kind of how I suggest it, like a written conversation, just like you would with a person about their sexuality. And they start to kind of make friends with their sexuality a little bit as well. You know, and then, you know, within marriage, there are other things that men can do. Another tool that I give men is focus on all the positive things, everything you like, love, and appreciate about your wife intimately. What are some of those things? And to focus more on those, because if you're constantly thinking about, I'm not getting enough, or it's not this, or I want that, and it's never, you know, you're just constantly focusing on what you don't have. It's that downward spiral concept. So those are a couple of tools. Thank you so much. I really love that. Do you, would you have any suggestions for maybe the lower desire spouse or the wife typically how they can maybe understand that and meet it better? Are you talking about understand his desire, his sexuality? Maybe like step out of being so restrained, if that makes sense. Like I like to think of it, I grew up riding horses, right? And when I was scared, I would have that bridle so tight and that was not good for my horse. It was also not good for me. Like it was exhausting. It was a battle, right? And, And so how do we let go while still feeling safe? Yeah. The steps that I give women first, and and all of this is kind of spelled out in the Knowing Her Intimately book, where this is chapter one, embracing your sexuality. And people do need help with that. But, But number one, we kind of already talked about, start listening to my book in the background of your mind, just so it's like that elevator music that's playing in the background of guys' minds, and we're just trying to give it something that's similar. Or this podcast, another great option. (laughs) Got it. And so even just getting that into the system, you're reprogramming our brain because, you know, it's not like we have young women's lessons on healthy sexuality, unfortunately, yet so far. And so you're getting that into the system. That's kind of step one. A second step for women, and women actually often have to do some of this process writing that I was talking about with men. They often have to go through and clean out a lot of sludge that they've got in their mind about sex, about sexuality, about men, about male sexuality, you know, because everybody's had a few negative experiences, vicarious trauma from reading the news. So you've got to clean out some of that. So that's almost step one, clean out the garbage, start listening to positive, affirming, healthy sexual material to get that in your system. And number three is kind of my favorite is women need to practice and develop their flirtiness. When a woman, a woman is not naturally usually super flirty, at least not in the sexual ways that their husbands are longing for. So when a woman can actually, and I've got a, I've got a handout on that and a whole chapter on that in knowing her intimately as well. But um, when a woman has to work on walking up and smacking her husband on the butt, you know, even just a lot of women really struggle to let their husband see them naked, you know, just things like this. And that's part of being flirty. You know, being willing to let that happen. When you're working on flirty, you really are having to really figure out 
okay, can I own this? Can I do this? Because otherwise it's super awkward and it will be in the beginning anytime you're learning a new skill. But that really ministers to women embracing and owning and developing that. Love those ideas. I think this is so helpful. And so, so just helpful. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> they usually have to be told, okay, honey, I'm working on my flirtiness. And Laura said, I need to tell you that you need to know that it's not going to lead to anything. So I'm just practicing. So I love that. think you're going to get lucky. I think that kind of comes back to another principle that we skipped number two, which is affection for affection's sake and flirting for flirting's sake. That it doesn't always, just because I'm making out with you right now, doesn't mean that I'm ready right now. And and just going back to maybe like that dating phase where we were just flirty all the time. Right. That's really, really important in relationships. And Chriselle, to be fair to your darling husband, you do might want to let him know that because you might just say, hey, I would love to make out with you right now, but just know that that's it. Can you handle that or do I not even start? You know, and that's just what couples can learn how to do so that she can step into her sexuality so that we can have, I want you sex, not duty sex. And that's the big part of what Creed was just asking me about with that bridled and agency and all of that. Yes. So wonderful. So wonderful. The next one, and this is so hard because I literally want to talk about every single one of these because they're so golden. So if you haven't already looked at this because you're like, wow, I'm loving this discussion. Look at it now, (laughs) listeners. It's so, unless you're driving, don't look at it now. It's so, so good. Um, The next one that I wanted to hit on was being fully present and engaged versus detached mentally and emotionally. Okay. That's a good one. Really good one. So again, uh, this, I'm putting it a little bit in gender stereotypes just because that's more generalized and more frequent, but like fully present and engaged. A lot of times for women where sexy is a state of mind, we are the world wide web. And so we're kind of multitasking everywhere. And if we don't shut down all those open tabs on our, the computer screen of our brain, then we are really not present. And we're kind of just there. You've got my body but that's it, you know? And so women, this is a big one for them. They've got to practice being fully present, fully engaged, a little bit more active. I want to, in one of my chapters, the transition chapter of knowing her intimately, I have these five different tools of things that people can do to stay more present and active. For example, focusing on receptive touch, you know, focus on how you're being touched, how you're being kissed. A step up from that would be, be more active in your touch. So now instead of just kind of laying there, touch him, feel him, kiss him, caress him, feel how great his muscles feel. I mean, so get, you can do things to learn the skill of being actively present. Okay. So that's kind of on the healthy side, the unhealthy side of just, if you're detached mentally or emotionally, and that isn't, isn't just, you know, the husband or the wife, either of them can be having unrealistic expectations, just even inaccurate, distorted concepts, inhibited thoughts. So that goes back to women again. If they've got a lot of inhibited thoughts, they're distracted or they're thinking about, you know, did I lock the door? Can the kids hear us? You know, whatever, whatever. So that's kind of on both sides, really important. And one other one that's fantasy also is kind of a big part here. If you feel like someone is fantasizing or someone is fantasizing, that can also be a challenge because you can kind of feel that. You can just kind of feel when people are present when they're not. 
Totally. Totally. I love this example. And I love that you use the example of the tabs because that's so real in my husband and I's life. He has no issue in just like exiting out of all of his tabs without even looking twice. And I'm like, you just exited out of all of my tabs. I wasn't ready to do that. I had like 10 things going on literally on my computer all the time. <laughs> so it's so, so real where it's, it's so interesting how like naturally I'm not very good at letting go of everything because if I let it go, then it might not happen. Right. And this is a natural gender characteristic thing, Chriselle, because women are kind of more multitasking world, worldwide webbers and men have, you know, that skill of being a little bit more compartmentalized and, and it, and it, they both are good things to have on purpose, but I think God is all about wholeness and completeness. And so women just have to work a little bit more in these certain areas of shutting down those windows and being focused and present, you know, and maybe men have to work on other areas of maybe practicing being a little more multitasking ish. You know? Totally. Totally. I think a more immature my, version of myself was frustrated about these differences, yes. but the more that I work on it and the more that I practice these skills that I'm not good at, the more I'm so grateful that I get this experience of, of learning a different way of connecting yeah. that I'm not naturally good at. Yeah, that's exactly. And I, I think, Chriselle, I think that's a little bit what God was thinking when he made men and women so different is that both husbands and wives are kind of gently required to work on some things that are not their natural forte in order to create what I would call wholeness. And that that is how you can really create this awesome kind of oneness sexually in and everywhere else. But sexually as, as well. Love it. And I remember something that you said also for another one is to enjoy what you enjoy and find what you enjoy I, I, and not focus on what is lacking or what you would rather want. That's so not present with what's happening right now. Focusing on what you can enjoy and then feeling it, enjoying it, that just sounds amazing yeah. and doing it otherwise is not helpful. Yeah. And Cree, just a quick tool for that is one of the things that I talk about is breaks and accelerators. So I have clients go through or just someone reading the book where you sit down and actually write out, okay, what are my turn-ons? What are my turn-offs? And so when you can kind of do that, then you're actually learning each other. I mean, the biblical term for sex is to know. Mm. And you're learning each other intimately in every dimension. Love that. This is so good. And we want to continue, but we'll have to split this up into another episode. So we're going to take a pause from this conversation and continue it for our next episode. So listeners, please go and read this list, Raising the Bar on Intimate Relationships, found in our show notes. We're so lucky and honored to have Laura with us. Tune in for the next episode as well. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals. And the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. 
We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.